0: Thank you for supporting Overcomer's Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Matthew 16, verse 21 through 24 reads as follows from the New King James Version Bible. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this should not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's take a closer look at 21 through 24 again. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem And suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And be killed and be raised the third day. Notice Jesus is telling his disciples, his followers, his learners. About how he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Notice this. Not only that, be killed. And then raised the third day. But. Peter, remember he was talking to all his disciples, but Peter took the Lord, put him aside, and notice what Peter had, and I'm sure, I pray that he came from a good place, but notice that Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Now, that's something right there. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of people get rebuked, but rebuking Jesus? That takes some boldness right there. He says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. So notice he had took, Peter had took him aside, began to rebuke him. and said, this is not going to happen to you. But evidently while they're going aside, he wasn't really facing Peter. But as soon as Peter made the statement, the Bible says in verse 23, he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. For now, why are you offense, uh, Peter? And he goes on to tell Peter, "This is why you're an offense, for you are not mindful of the things of God." Wow. Notice this, but the things of men. He was an offense, but why was he an offense? Because he was not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And in verse 24, then he turned to his disciples. Now remember, Peter had took him aside. He made the statement to him. He turned to Peter, made that statement, and now he turned to his disciples, and he told his disciples this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Based on what I've just read to you, I want to talk to you from this topic this morning. Man has a way, but God has a better way. I believe that daily living brings about daily dilemmas. Dilemmas can be defined as situations where, in which a choice has to be made between two or more alternatives. We may deal with problems, whether it's in, uh, excuse me, problems that impact us mentally, physically, emotionally, and even the stress of those problems can begin to affect us physically. Problems can be defined as a situation regarded as harmful and unwelcome that needs to be dealt with in order to overcome that particular situation. Medical, problem, medical doctors say that, say that many health issues can be related to stress. WebMD lists the following stress-related health issues such as high blood pressure, asthma, diabetes, headaches, Depression, obesity, Alzheimer's, gastrointestinal problems, accelerated aging, and so forth, and even premature deaths can be related to stress. And many of us deal—many of us have probably dealt—we deal with problems. If you live long enough, you're gonna have problems that impact you mentally, physically, emotionally, and even the stress of those can affect you physically. Problems are real, and we need real solutions so that we can overcome the problems that we deal with and not the problems overcome us. And can I be real with you? Problems have overcome me in the past, and I'm trying to do a better job in the future. This just means that you may not have problems with problems, but I have problems when I have to deal with problems. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of us have been guilty of handling problems the way that we thought they should be handled. And I've been guilty of it too. So I'm not trying to throw a finger. I'm trying to help all of us in this particular situation. Whatever the nature of the problem, we need to strive for a lifestyle of seeking an all-knowing and all-powerful God to give us his divine answers to solve our difficult situations and not-so-difficult situations. Scripture tells us, for in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Whether the problem is big, whether it's small, whether it's medium, anywhere in between, we need to acknowledge Jesus, and he shall direct our path. Thank God that that, cause, oh, thank you, Lord, I, I like that, I like that. See, sometimes we can look at a problem and think it's small, but really behind that problem is something big. So you can look at it and say that's a small problem, but in reality, behind that problem is something big. That's why we need, in all our ways, we need to acknowledge Jesus, and He will, He shall direct our path. Sometimes I've gotten some good results in the past and thought I could handle it without God. You can't go by your results thinking that they are good sometimes and that God, you shouldn't, you don't have to acknowledge God. Well, you know, God, I got this now cause I got a two or three under my belt and I did good with these cause I got some favorable results. But that can be a trick of the enemy. He'll tell you that everything's going okay, but in all actuality, God said, you better acknowledge me. You better see, you better see my face because you don't really know what's behind this situation that you're dealing with. And and one, let's look at something that I want to bring to your attention. God's answers work despite the human frailties and human weaknesses. God's answers work despite human frailties and human weaknesses. That's between man's problems, when man has a solution, man's problem may or may not work despite the human interaction. Because humans gonna have to answer problems and that is where we need God at because God works despite human weaknesses. Mm-mm. That's why God said my word should not return back to me, boy, but it shall accomplish everything I set it out to do. Despite the human that are humans that are in there, I'm going to accomplish my word. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. My word can't come back to me, boy. I got to do. It's going to accomplish. It's going to complete any, everything I set it out to do. But with man, it may or may not, because man is limited. Man is limited. In my personal life, I have found that I may rely, I may solely rely on my responses or the responses of friends or families. Uh, when I do that, I risk going deeper into the problem rather than overcoming the problem. I can choose to hold a grudge or become angry or cause chaos and I, or I can seek God and extend forgiveness and grace to that person, even though they hurt me. Even though they hurt me, I got a choice to make. I got a choice to make. I can get hold of grudge. I can become angry. I can cause chaos, or I can seek God and extend forgiveness and grace. Hallelujah. And that I, I promise you, extending forgiveness and grace goes a whole lot further than us becoming angry or mad or causing chaos. Now, it doesn't mean that I will go in business with that person, but it does mean I have released that person as well as myself at this particular time, and I will not allow bitterness, anger, fear, and such like to control me or the situation. I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of allowing bitterness, anger, fear, And 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 other things such as that to control me in the situation, told somebody off because of what I was going through, got angry with somebody and lost sleep. They may have went on about their business, but because I did that, I lost control and they had more control over me than I did in the situation. And we can't allow that to happen. We need God to control that situation and then let him do it. And every time you do, you ought to pat yourself on the back. I got the victory in this because God doing this and not me. Because you, in the past, it was you that used to try to handle this situation. But when you see yourself mature in Christ, you ought to say, God, I'm doing better than what I used to do, praise God. I'm doing a whole lot better. I'm not letting anger. I remember a time when if I got in this situation right here, everybody would have known I was in it because I would have cut up in some type of way. But God has giving me the victory. I'm coming out of this victory. I'm coming out of this. Talking about God, you got it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to cast my cares upon you for you care for me. I'm not going to let these people bring me to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. I got the victory in this situation. Oh, I appreciate God when we get the victory in this situation you ought to celebrate that sometimes. You ought to say, God, you know what? I'm a whole lot better than what I used to be. I, I'm not thinking and acting and talking a whole lot better than what I used to. And I'm learning that forgiveness causes a person to be free. Not only the person be free, but most importantly, it causes me to be free. Because man's way, man's way will hold, may hold a grudge, but God's way gives Grace. Man's way, man's methods, man's course of action may hold a grudge, but God's way gives grace. Let's go to Proverbs 14 and 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it's in, it's the way of death. There is a way, a path, a journey. And sometimes that thing can become a habit that seems right to a man. And what, But what I thought was interesting about that, but it's in, is the way of death. Sometimes you may not even know what the consequence is going to be until the very end. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to correct us and to put us back on on God's path instead of man's path. Because the Bible is clear. The end could bring about death. It could bring about death. It's imperative that we know the true way which brings life to us. What's the true way? Go to John 14, verse 6. John 14 and verse 6. We've got to know the true way, and the Holy Spirit will continue to lead and to guide us into the true way. Notice what he says, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he says, I am the way, the truth, truth, what is true in any matter under consideration. And the life. No one comes to the Father, but God, the Creator, the Ruler, except through me. So I noticed this, that Jesus says, I am the way. So I'm the pathway. I'm the way, uh, the journey. I'm the way you should go. And notice where we're going. We're going to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. What is the Father? Unlimited resources. The Father has all the answers that we need. In fact, God does not have an answer. Listen, listen. God does not have a problem that he does not have the answer to. There is not a problem that you can bring to God that God does not have the answer to. So therefore, he is the creator. He is the ruler. He has unlimited resources. He has solutions. He knows what we should do in this dilemma and what we should do in this circumstance. He is the father. He is the creator. And if he didn't have one, he could create an answer even in the midst of what we're going through. You ain't lived long enough until you've been to the place where God created an answer god created a solution you didn't know what to do but god created a solution you didn't see it but god had already figured it out you didn't know it but god had already did it god is a solution oriented god he knows how to fix our problems he knows how to give us because what he is the creator i like what jesus says i'm the way but what's the way to the father No one comes to the father except through me. No one comes to the father. Why are we going to the father? Because he has the solutions. Why are we going to the father? Because he has what we're going through. Why are we going to the father? He has our healing. Why are we going to the father? He has our deliverance. Why are we going to the father? Because he has our protection. Why are we going to the father? He has our prosperity. The, The father has what we need. You say, I got a problem, God. Well, we go to the Father. Listen, you don't want to come to me. You want to go to the Father. You don't want to go to your friend. You want to go to the Father. And this is what you got to understand. People have limited solutions, but God has something that will last. God has something that will last. God doesn't have a limited solution. He has something that will last. The, Jesus lets us know that he is the journey that represents true in every matter and leads us closer to our sovereign creator, our sovereign, our creator, and our ruler. Nonetheless, when it comes to hearing and obeying God's voice in the midst of man's interpretation of his voice, we can easily get off track if we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's like we're sitting in today's service. The person next to you may say, I heard pastor say one thing, and somebody else said, I heard pastor say something different, and you may be thinking, I, I was not even, I don't remember him saying nothing like that. And you could be in a situation thinking you in the wrong, in two different services. Or you might think you heard something from last week, this week. The, the thing that you got to understand is that we hear through different personal filters. Filters such as our mindset, our relationship with the person speaking, our current situation that we're dealing with. We hear through different personal filters. Jesus having a conversation in Matthew 16 and 21 about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, all the disciples were listening, but they were listening through their own personal Filter. They were listening through their personal filter. Let's go back to Matthew 16 and 21. Matthew 16 and verse 21. And from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. From that time, G began to show them. He began to expose them. He began to show them by the word and his teaching. He began to teach them what was about to happen to him when he went to Jerusalem and suffered many things from the elders and the, and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So notice Matthew 16 and 21. There are at least four specific messages that I believe that Jesus was trying to illustrate in the minds of his disciples, his followers, or his learners. Notice the three the four messages. First of all, he must go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, not to speak, is the capital of Palestine. Metaphorically, it is the city of God founded by Christ. It is what we see in, in the um, the Revelations, the new Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. One day we're going to be in New Jerusalem. Woo City paved with gold. Woo Hallelujah. New Jerusalem should make all of us happy in the sanctuary. New Jerusalem. I'm looking forward to New Jerusalem. I ain't worried about no politics, no COVID-19. I ain't worried about no mask. I ain't worried about no hand sanitizer. I ain't worried about no light bill, no phone bill, Sprint, Verizon, AT&T, all of them. Well, I can't say that in front of y'all, but. Well, ain't worried about none of that stuff. New Jerusalem is where we're all going to be. All right, let's get back because we ain't got there yet, but here we go. Because we got to live here on earth right now. All right, here we go. Second thing is, it is. it says this, he, he must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. Suffer to undergo in a bad sense. He had to suffer. Third thing, he must be killed. Literally put to death. Allowed to perish and to destroy, and then the fourth thing he must be raised, arose up the third day. Those are the messages he was trying to get to his disciples. Especially, we read in the text, Peter heard what he said, but Peter heard it through his own personal filter. Many times we can say something, and you and I, I remember one day I had a conversation with. And you learn this in pastoring. People, you're going to say stuff and people are going to take it the wrong way. And you don't even mean. You say, where did he get that from? I, I just said, Jesus loves you. But all of a sudden, we went, went through a whole new, whole different ballgame. And he ain't lived long enough till people have taken what you thought was simple, but taking it the wrong way. Oh, you ain't lived long enough. Jesus was trying to get a message to uh his disciples, but Peter took it the wrong way. Peter took it the wrong way. Boy, you ain't living long enough. And I thought about this. I remember I told a pastor this one day because I learned this the hard way. If they took Jesus' message the wrong way, you're definitely going to take your message the wrong way. Well, Pastor, everything I say, people are going to have knowledge and understanding. Keep thinking that. I can give a message right here and people can take what I'm trying to say and take it the wrong way. Based on what they're going through in their own personal life, based on what they left their home, based on what's going on in their job, based on what they're dealing with in their family or in their finances or in the health of their body, they can take what I'm saying the wrong way. They took Jesus, what he said. Peter took what Jesus said the wrong way. In fact, if you remember, we, we we studied this a few weeks ago, that really when it came down to the resurrection, none of them remembered what Jesus said about his resurrection. Because when it came to the resurrection, they came looking for him at, at the tomb. Jesus said, I'm not going to be in no tomb. I'm going to rise up the third day and be with. But none of them remember that. Well, y'all remember. I, some of y'all just go back and listen to the, to the message. You'll hear. Now. I can imagine and hear from my leader. Can you imagine hearing from your leader slash teacher to speak on his suffering, his death, and his resurrection? May not have been the disciples uh thought that this is how this journey was going to end. Many of them have left families. Remember, Peter had a mother in law they talked about in scripture. They had left their careers. Matthew was a tax collector and so forth to follow Jesus after seeing the many miracles which he did. You know, it was not for Jesus to do a miracle. Now, you know a miracle for Jesus just an everyday occurrence. A miracle for Jesus. I mean, Jesus a blind eye open. Whew, nothing for Jesus. The lame walk. that's nothing for Jesus. Now, us, it's a miracle. But for God, that's just how he operates. See, God don't strain to do a miracle. You need to get that. God does not strain to do a miracle. Why is that important? If, if God wants to do a miracle in your life, can't no man stop it? If God wants to bring you out of debt, can't no man stop it. If God wants to heal your body, can't no man stop it. If God wants to deliver you, can't no man stop it. What well, they say, I'm not going to do this because they're limited. Man only knows so much, but God is an all-knowing God. He's all-powerful. he got, listen, he's unlimited resources. God can do for you what man cannot do. He is a God of more than enough. Now, but notice this. Can you imagine if you're in this situation? Jesus is telling you, "I'm going to go up and and be and suffer loss in Jerusalem. They're going to persecute me, uh, and they're going to do all types of things to me." And they literally did all types of things to him. Can you imagine how some of the disciples may have been feeling and seeing all the things he done? Now he's going to go to Jerusalem and be killed and rise up the third day. And this is my guess. I don't really know. Peter was trying to, to process what he heard through his own personal filters. And Peter was probably trying to be helpful and share his way of thinking, but he got corrected. Now, this is what you need to understand. When Peter got corrected, he didn't leave Jesus. He didn't leave Jesus. In fact, he preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. Now, I think that's important because if you walk with Jesus, you're going to be corrected sooner or later. And when you're corrected, you don't need to leave Jesus. You need to be like Peter. Just take it, learn from it, apply it, and keep on moving forward. Keep on moving forward. So anyway, Peter was probably trying to be helpful, shares. No, it's Peter's way of thinking. And I can't judge Peter, uh, if I left everything to follow my leader and he says, this time for information. I might feel anxious, nervous, overwhelmed, and I, and I need to protect my leader. And I, I think you should protect your leader. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, if somebody tried to do something to Bishop Walker, that's why people don't say nothing to me about Bishop Walker. Because they know I'll go off on him. They know I'm saved, but I got a little edge about me it. still going on, that I need Jesus to deliver me. I might not say, well, pray for that brother who despitefully, he don't know what he's talking about. Father, he don't know what he's doing. Father, forgive him. I might pray that, and I might say, I think well, you will talk about my pastor. now." Because See, I might go that route. So, I don't know. So God don't put me in that type of situation. But Peter was in a situation where he heard Jesus talking about, I'm going to go and suffer. I'm going to let these folks beat on me. I'm going to let these folks do what, I, I, I'm, I'm innocent, but I'm going to let these people do this to me. And so, notice in Matthew 16, 22. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, him being Jesus. Wow. Wow. He, he could be viewed as being somewhat respectful in one sense but stepped completely out of line in another sense. I think because of the terminology that Matthew uses here in the text, because he says he began to rebuke Jesus. I think that was the problem. Rebuke means to straightway charge or forbid, to express sharp criticism or disapproval, or someone of someone because of the behavior or actions. Now, you got to really know what you talking about to rebuke Jesus. You got to really know what you talking about to rebuke Jesus. I mean, you really got to be a herd from the Holy Ghost. And before I rebuke Jesus, I'm going to listen. I'll be like this. Lord, you have to show me something right here. I'm gonna need this bush to be burned over in the corner and then not get burned. And then I'm gonna make sure it's really I in my imagination because I'm gonna put my hand up there and make sure some heat coming from. Me. And then I might have to see some clouds over there. And then I gotta see some angels standing in the corner. But to rebuke Jesus, whoo. That was to me was something else right there. I thought about this one. This is me, this, this is me thinking. Y'all I'm just thinking. What if I, what what do I look like trying to rebuke my pastor? The bishop. This man has did all he done for the kingdom. And here I'm trying to rebuke him. Trying to tell him you don't know. Now, I know my pastor good enough. I can see him now. And just, <laughs> I would come out there with, well, I can't say that in public. But, yeah, it would not be a good situation to put it to you like that. Because why? That I'm getting in a territory that the Holy Spirit is not telling me. And let me say this to you. Even if you got a problem with your leader, please go to your leader in a respectful manner. Go to your leader in a respectful manner. Don't go trying to rebuke the leader like Peter did, but go to them and listen, I just need some understanding about this, that, and the other. I mean, it's a way to approach your leadership, and it's a way not to do it. I don't advise nobody to rebuke like Peter did. Because evidently, he had to be corrected. He had to be corrected. So now, at times, we may have a mindset that we're going to help our leaders and teachers by taking them aside and sharply criticizing them. However, we have to be mindful and ready to receive the responses may come back from our leader. See, Peter's way seemed right at the moment, but the next scripture might indicate differently. But notice what Jesus said, because remember that, he, evidently, he was walking. And he heard what Peter said, and then he turned to Peter. Knows what he said to Peter, because he turned. Important to know, he wasn't even facing him. He's like, okay, I, I can. Im- can you imagine when somebody say something to you like that? I know they ain't saying that to me. Is. Can you imagine what it was? How Jesus could respond? I know he ain't saying that to me. I'm telling him what the will of God is in this situation, but now he want to rebuke me, so now he turns to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Who Uh of all the people being told off? He just got told off right now. Get behind me, not Peter, but Satan. Get behind me, accuser of a brother. Adversary. One who opposes. What? The will of God. Peter, you are an offense to me. A stumbling block, a snare, and a trap. Why are you like this, Peter? Why am I telling you this? For you are not mindful of the things of God. Notice this. He, he got down to the root of why he was dealing with Peter like he was. Because he, Peter, was not mindful of the things of God. But, notice what he says. The things of man. Peter wanted to do it man's way. But God said, we need to do it God's way. Can you imagine when we go to God trying to tell him, I want to do it this way. But God is saying, I want to do it. I need to do it this way. Because why? It's a better way for you. It's a better way for you you know I, I've said this and I probably have said this probably more times than I probably have in a long time but God's way will always be better than man's way period I can't even put no exception on the rule God's way will always be better than man's way even though man may get, get, let me say man always has some good ideas but man's way will never be better than God's way now, what can we, let me see, we conclude that Jesus was trying to explain a divine way. And Peter was trying to bring about man's way. Remember, divine way, it means it's going to work regardless of man's frailties and weaknesses. I like that. I like that. God's way will always work. Jesus was letting Peter know that you will be influenced by my adversary. He was trying to use you to trap me. We can hear in the written and revealed word we might not fully grasp we can hear the written and revealed word. We might not fully grasp that the enemy is always seeking ways to trap us and bring about a stumbling block. Oh, can you remember when when in the beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and all of a sudden Satan brought up an accusation? He says, Has not God said? And what the enemy does, has not God said, he'll just, he'll take a little bit off of it. And it'll make it sound like God said it. But you better know the written and revealed word. You better know, because if not, you'll be operating in disobedience, unbelief, and fear more than what God has told you to do. Has not God said, take a little bit off. Yeah, he's saying a little bit, but he didn't say everything you said, see? Because you must understand something. The enemy knows the word. Remember when Jesus was being tempted by the, by the devil? Did he not quote part of the word, but not fully the word? You got to understand something. He pulled part of scripture, but he did not put it in his proper context. And this is what you need to know about the devil. He will pull a scripture on you, but he won't put it in its proper context. That's why he said, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man's way as opposed to God's way. The enemy can use family, friends, relationships, colleagues, husbands, wives, children. Parents and such like to speak to us and cause us to stumble if we're not in the right mindset. That's why we need the omniscient God, the Holy Spirit, to continue to lead and to guide us in all truth. Rather than hearing and applying the word that people disagree with, they might we they may try to change the message just enough to put us in a trap. Just like Peter, G- excuse me. Well, let's face it. Genesis, the Genesis. Adam and Eve, they fell in the trap. But notice when, he, when, when Jesus came back on the scene and he had that confrontation, he overcame the enemy. Notice the difference. Man's way as opposed to God's way. Rather than hearing and applying the word they disagree with, might try to rather than hearing and applying the word that people disagree with it, they might try to change the message just enough to get us in the trap. Man's way of changing the message may not be God's way of bringing about a divine solution. Let's go to Matthew 16, 23. 23. Notice what it says. Jesus told Peter, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. This is what Jesus had a problem with Peter in the text. He said, You're not mindful. You don't have the understanding. You don't have the thinking. You're not seeking. You're not siding with the things of God. But you're siding with the things of man. I believe that Jesus was trying to elevate the disciples' mindset to help them see beyond their suffering, seeing see beyond the death, seeing beyond their resurrection, his resurrection power. They want to see Jesus come back alive again. And we have to be able to see beyond life's problems. We got to see the See beyond the challenges and beyond the dilemmas and see how the resurrected power is going to declare life and cause us to rise up out of our situation with the mind of Christ. Go to Philippians 2 and 5, you don't mind. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Because we come out, we're coming with the mind of Christ. We're not coming with our mind. Our mind to get us in trouble. Those Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider Robert to be equal with God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and verse 6. See, we let let this mind, we want the understanding and the wisdom and the thinking of Christ. I believe the more that we hear and apply the written and revealed word, it shapes our mindset to the point that we can have divine understanding, divine wisdom, and divine thoughts, even in the midst of trials and tribulation. I believe it takes something to have the understanding and wisdom of Christ. Most importantly, it takes denying my way, my faults, my mindsets, my attitudes, and such like. And I'm not saying what you, uh, what God is giving you, excuse me. What we're doing ourselves is all that necessarily bad, but God has a better way. Notice what Matthew 16, 24 says. Then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny, lose interest, lose themselves and take up his cross. What's the cross? God's way of doing it. When we say the cross is God's way of doing it. Cause sometimes we can look at the cross and think, I to take up the cross. Now, do it God's way. Put the flesh on the cross and do it God's way. I can be the first to admit it takes something to lose self in the midst of society that has conditioned us to look after self. In fact, we're in, our inward instinct is to protect and preserve self from any threat of harm or danger. I know we've all been given to that. We're going to protect ourselves if we're not careful instead of doing what Christ has told us to do. Jesus shares prerequisites for following him is to desire him deny self, take up the personal cross, and now we're ready to follow him. See, self denial helps us to see that there is some things that are not of the father but of the world because that brings pleasure to our human desires. It can it can be hard to let these things go. Go to 1 John 2 and 16. I want to show you something that I thought was real powerful, 1 John 2 and 16. For all, that is in the, for all that is in the world. Notice what he says. What's in the world? The order of the government, the worldly affairs, things that pertain to the earth. Three things that he lists here, lists here, John does, about what's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. Remember what Jesus said earlier in the text? He says, uh, we talked about earlier in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But notice what is not of the Father. Three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Lust of the flesh can be defined as the desire or craving of those desires that lead to sin or miss the mark and error to be led astray. To be led astray. Something that you desire that takes you away from God. Lust of the eyes, a desire or craving of those things that we can see but are forbidden by the word of God. There's some things that you can see that are of God that are okay. But there's some things you see that are not allowed because of the word. And the third thing is the pride of life. Man boasting and bragging about resources, wealth, and goods, and not giving credit to God. You know good and well you got there from God. I know you're smart, but you ain't that smart. And can Listen, it's amazing to me the number of people that don't give God credit for things that he does every day. Every day. And it's amazing. Now, the world, they ain't going to do it. I mean, that's just the world. But Christians shouldn't know about them. Christians will give more credit to the world than they do to God. And talking about, well, you know, if, if man would have came up with this, we wouldn't have this. Oh, please. You know good and well, man ain't that smart. Man was the one that created the mess in the first place. There he, well, let me get out of that, praise God. Let me get out of that. We have to remind ourselves that our way is not God's way. The word tells us that man's direction and habits are not of the same level as God. Go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9. The scripture reads as follows. For my faults are not your faults, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my faults than your thoughts. Notice this. For my thoughts, my plans, my purposes, my devices are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Direction, the manner, the habits, the moral character, path of life. Our natural way of doing it is not God's way of doing it. But when we're led by the Holy Spirit, we do it just the way he wants it done. And if we don't get it right, God's grace will help us to get back on track. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher exalted. Tall and lifted up than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's go to a scripture. Um, first Corinthians one, First Corinthians one twenty-five. I admit this came from one of the brothers the other day. I'm going to use it today. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. First Corinthians one twenty-five. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So even if God had a little bit of foolishness in him, it would still be wiser than men. Isn't that powerful? That's powerful. So listen, at God's lowest level, if he got a low level, if he had a low level, I should say, it would still be wiser than men. It'll still be wiser than man. And if, and if, notice what he says here. If God had any type of weakness, it'll still be stronger than man. I mean, you can't even get, I mean, God is much stronger, much wiser than any man. His way will always be better than our ways. We also know that God's word has heaven backing up. It's unlike man's word that has limited or no times, no backing. You know, sometimes a man can tell you something, boy, and he would be like, mm, okay. You just wait to see if it's gonna happen or not, don't You ever, you ever had uh, well, you live long enough You have somebody promise you something. And then you, by, by the person who promised you, you put about that much stock into it. Cause you knew the person, the character. Cause they had lied to you so many times before. Oh, I'm gonna pay you back. Some of y'all still waiting for the money, ain't you? Don't, t- don't say nothing. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know Isaiah 55, 11, you have to turn it up let me read the scripture to you because we talked about it earlier. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to be void, but it shall accomplish. It shall produce, perform, prepare, and celebrate what I please, and it shall prosper the thing which I send it. Regardless of the problem that we face in life, as long as we continue to believe the written and revealed word of God, we know that all things are working for our good. They're beneficial, useful. Happy and honorable, according to Romans 8, 28. Let's go to Romans 8, 28, my last scripture. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things are working for our good. Man got away. But I'm acknowledging God in all my ways. And he's going to direct my path. His way is going to be better than my way. Peter had to learn that one way. Peter said, you know what? i rebuke you from doing what you said you're going to do. But God's response, get behind me. I want us to be in a position as a church, as a congregation. And I'm praying that we do it God's way. Praying that we do it God's way. Now, let me say this to you. God, give us grace as we go through the process, as we're learning, as we're putting this word into action. But one thing about it, we're going to put the word into action. Man has a way, but God has a better way. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.